Hello and welcome to Coco Pods Maternal Mortality Reduction Academy. This is a feature of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We are recording live from the rural city of Forsyth, Georgia. My name is Dr. Bola Sagadi. I'm a board certified obstetrician, gynecologist, minimally invasive robotic gynecologic surgeon, and a proponent for natural child delivery. I am fortunate to have with me today certified nurse midwife, Kim Holderfield. We are going to talk about and explore some of the issues that affect maternal mortality in rural cities in America. Kim, welcome, and how are you doing today? Oh, Dr. Sagade, I'm doing well. I did have my second COVID vaccine, so I'm a bit under the weather, but, you know, we've got to get to the end of this pandemic. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. So, Kim, I want you to talk about how OBGYNs and midwives and other personnel involved in providing obstetric care, especially in rural areas. How can we all work collaboratively such that we can work together as a group and actually reduce maternal mortality one step at a time? Well, in Forsyth, for example, we only have one OB in the whole county, and that is yourself. Most of the women here have to travel to Macon. Many women in the outer areas, such as Spalding County, Lawrence County, they travel in to either Macon here or north in the Griffin area. So yeah, the um, the access to this area as far as OB providers is pretty limited. It would be amazing if we could get more nurse midwives to help fill the gap where the um, OBs are kind of centralized in the more populous areas and that we could maybe, you know, bring in telemedicine. And that has been an issue in the state of Georgia with the um, Board of Medicine. They have really resisted the fact of using telemedicine with OB care. And we know for the healthcare providers, we have the OBGYNs at the top of the pyramid with the maternal fetal medicine specialist. We have the certified nurse midwives. We have other midwives. We have doulas. Can you define your role as a certified nurse midwife and how you can work collaboratively with an OBGYN to make sure that women are taken care of in these areas that there's a sparsity of OB obstetric care providers? So certified nurse midwives Mm. are experts in normal. Mm. We take care of normal progression of pregnancy. If something falls outside of the normal, we are trained to recognize that and work collaboratively with our physician OBs. In the state of Georgia, we're required to have physician supervision. So we always work together with our supervising physicians. It makes for a really good relationship of making sure the women have what they need when they need it. If there's a problem, we step up the chain to the OB. If everything is moving, you know, along normal parameters, they stay in that midwifery model of care. And that's why the American College of OBGYN recognizes the levels of care for maternity care. You know, we have the level one, which is basic. We have the specialty level, level two. We have level three, which is a subspecialty level. And then we have level four. So, Women that have normal pregnancies and they are healthy themselves, they can safely work with a certified nurse midwife throughout their pregnancy and delivery. And we can risk stratify. And as long as they remain a low-risk pregnancy, 
they can work with a midwife. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. So again, we are the experts in normal. When it comes outside of normal, that's where we have our referral base and our collaborative agreements that come into place. But yes, as long as a woman is having a normal pregnancy, everything, all the parameters are stable, she can stay in midwifery care from conception to post-delivery, and we can take care of the baby for the first 30 days of life. And you live in rural Forsyth, Georgia, and can you speak to some of the you know, factors that contribute to maternal mortality. One of the things I see is that we have, you know, adolescent uh, pregnancies and a lot of them unintended. Can you speak to maybe some of the ways that um, we can look into this? Because adolescent pregnant women are one of the groups of women at high risk for maternal mortality or severe maternal morbidity because they are at risk for things like preeclampsia. They're at risk for having a cesarean section because the pelvis is not ready. They're at risk for maybe not following the guidelines and the counseling of the healthcare provider. Can you speak to this problem of, you know, adolescent uh, pregnancy in this area? Yes. This local area um, tends to be very Christian-based, and therefore the education that is provided in the school systems is based on abstinence. I feel strongly we should change that and bring in full sexual health education to include STIs, birth control options, general wellness for women, pap smears, things of that nature. It should not just be based on abstinence. Yes, women can make choices, but when they make choices, they should make choices for a birth control that they're comfortable with so that they have control over their bodies. They shouldn't leave it up to, you know, just not engaging in sexual activities just because they're afraid of getting pregnant. We can provide them tools to protect them from pregnancy as well as STIs in the use of condoms. And I think a lot of young women, they don't realize, they don't use condoms. Therefore, we have STIs such as chlamydia and things that can cause fertility issues later on with scarring of the tubes and scarring of the uterus. And these things need to be taught to these kids so that they can make choices to protect their women's health so that they can plan for families later. Yeah, this is very important because, you know, we had a patient come by, he was in an interracial relationship about 20 years ago. And she, the patient, was a Caucasian, and she got pregnant as a teenager, and her family would have nothing to do with, with it. I mean, now she, you know, brings her beautiful daughter to visit with us. You know, because teenagers face so many issues when they become pregnant at that age. You know, they face the the shame of, of just being pregnant, the unexpectedness, the chance that they might have to be out of school for some time. And so they face all these psychosocial issues, but they also face clinical issues because they are at risk for preeclampsia. They are at risk for ending up with a cesarean delivery and prematurity. Uh, exactly. They are at risk for premature births. So, you know, we, you know, if you were to speak to a teenager in in a high school right now as to, you know, if she, you know, inadvertently becomes pregnant, she, she, 
um, she wasn't planning to, but here she is pregnant. So how, where do we go from here? Well, we need to have resources for young women. So if they end up in this situation, that they can get education on their choices, on how to progress with the pregnancy, um, good pregnancy care throughout the pregnancy and delivery, lactation support, nutritional support. I think a lot of it, we don't have those resources. You're exactly right. Families sometimes you know, don't want shame in the community and they try to hide the pregnancy. And therefore, the woman becomes depressed, withdrawn, anxious. Mm-hmm. It it affects her her future. Even you know, maybe that you know she feels like she has failed and that she can't go to college. But there's a lot of young adolescent women that become pregnant mm-hmm. that can complete their life mm-hmm. and they can take care of moving on past this. Mm-hmm. We just have to provide a, a safety net for them so they don't fall through the cracks. That's correct. And you know, in Georgia, you know. Pregnancy-related complications can be due to events that happen during pregnancy or events that happen after pregnancy. And a lot of the women that have government-sponsored insurance like Medicaid, you know, after a particular time after delivery, this insurance is discontinued and they don't have access to health care or to a health care provider for all the other issues that come up, you know, relating to pregnancy. And this is these are part of the things that contribute to maternal mortality and morbidity, severe morbidity. Would it be nice in Georgia, for instance, if like the Affordable uh, Care Act is expanded? Would that help some certain groups of women? Oh, most definitely. Because as it is now, you either have to be very poor or you're not eligible. But there's nothing in the middle to protect those that may be Make it a fair wage, but not enough to gain insurance. So this, if we had expanded Medicare, we would catch those people that fall in the middle, therefore offering health care that they would otherwise not have. So definitely would improve outcomes. And, um, you know, when the women without insurance, they they get into the classification of a self-pay rate, And that even affects the way they access the system. You know, they try to, you know, not come as frequently as possible and they allocate monies to other things other than healthcare. Healthcare at times is relegated to the back. And, you know, it would be nice if there was a telehealth system also for those women, you know, they wouldn't have to travel so far to see a provider. They could, um, if they do have a computer, sit in front of a computer and talk to the healthcare provider. Can you speak to that? Well, that's where we need to really get behind legislation and change laws because the medical board in Georgia, which kind of hinders midwifery at this point from telehealth, that is one of the things that we have been lobbying for as um, part of the, you know, Georgia Midwifery Association. Mm-hmm. They have worked tirelessly to try to get improvements in that area. Mm-hmm. The American Academy of Nurse Midwives, mm-hmm. the ACNM, has really tried to be a proponent in getting legislation moved as well, mm-hmm. in, not only in Georgia, but in other rural states, in order to provide this telehealth care. They're trying to also increase the amount of providers that are under a supervising physician. Mm. So right now, I believe it's two. Mm. But if they can expand that to allow for more 
Nurse. It's, it's recently expanded. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. but if they can, you know, if we have more mid-levels mm-hmm. under the supervision of physicians in these rural areas, we mm-hmm. can provide more care. Yeah. And we also need to look at retention. Mm-hmm. When these people are trained, we need to give them incentives to work in rural areas mm-hmm. by paying loans back and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And that would definitely help. And that's where, you know, um, funding comes in. We This problem is just, it's not going to go away. Yeah, because um, women are still getting pregnant. And some of the statistics from, from the CDC shows that, again, Georgia is one of the most dangerous states for a pregnant woman. The maternal mortality rate in Georgia is two times the national maternal mortality rate. So the national maternal mortality rate is 29.6. In Georgia, is 66.3, according to the CDC. And then black women in rural Georgia are two times more likely compared to white women to have uh, issues in pregnancy. And in Georgia, there are 159 counties, 79, only 79 of those counties have an OBGYN. So this is a problem with just having an obstetric provider. And it would be nice to collaboratively have uh, midwives working with the OBGYNs just to expand our reach in reaching pregnant women. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other component, you know, that you mentioned as well, you know, not only do we have the access and the nutrition, the self-help area, but we also have something called implicit bias. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times women of color aren't taken seriously. They are not heard. Mm. So we really need to improve that in our education systems for our providers Mm. so that they understand that sometimes the way you talk to somebody can really impact what kind of information they give you. So if you're trying to get information from somebody, the way you deliver it is going to be how they respond back to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to really be educated in how to communicate with people, and that is huge with medicine today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know different races of women face different problems, and I know like some of the minority patients that I see. You know, I saw a patient last week, a lady last week that said that, you know, she works but she doesn't make enough money. You know, she she would appreciate help when it comes to things like a food drive in which she can come, especially in these times of COVID, in which she can come and, you know, pick up free food to supplement her income. And I think because there was a, we were of similar races, she was able to open up to me that, you know, listen, I look good, I dress well, but if there was a way in which I could get help with my groceries, I will take it, you know. So you, you are correct in that the patients have to also feel comfortable with the providers and so that they can really talk to them as to things going on. You know, a woman that has experienced domestic violence the night before her visit, she might be very embarrassed to talk about it. But if she feels very comfortable with her healthcare provider, and she feels treated with dignity and respect. These are some of the things that might come out in the course of a properly planned antenatal care. Wouldn't you agree, Kim? Oh, most definitely. That was one of the first things that I do with all of my clients Mm -hmm. is we have just a discussion. How are you doing today? How are things going? Mm -hmm. You know, so that it's an open-ended question to allow them to speak back. Mm -hmm. If anything is is new or changed in their life, I want to hear about it because not only does it affect them, it affects their unborn baby. Mm -hmm. 
So yes, those are huge issues we need to kind of remember as providers that not only do we take care of the physical issues, we take care of the emotional and psychosocial areas too. So we're uh, broadcasting live from the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation in rural Forsyth, Georgia. We are healthcare providers that we are in the know. We experience the issues that the women are experiencing every day because we see them in our offices. We see them as clients in our clinics. We listen to them. We are talking to you firsthand of some of the experiences that women in rural Georgia face. So if you have any input, any questions, any way to help, please contact us at the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. This is a place in which we want to act on the issues that are contributing to maternal mortality and severe morbidity in the state of Georgia. So we, Kim, what final thoughts of you know, action, actionable issues do you want to give to a young you know, pregnant patients or just pregnant women in general as to what, things that they can do to mitigate the risks that come with pregnancy and maybe their young age or pregnancy and the fact that they live in a rural area and their access to, or lack of it to certain things that might help reduce maternal mortality? I think the number one thing is to really get somebody that you can talk to that can help you navigate this. If you have to go to your local health department, they are there and set up with the resources for things like WIC to help you get care. If you are on your parents' insurance, you need to have an open discussion with them and make sure that you get in and have prenatal care. If you feel like you can't talk to your parents, go talk to a school social worker. Go talk to somebody because it all starts with communication. If we can't talk about it, we can't make it better. Mm. And w- will there be areas where people can talk anonymously? Because, you know, some of the issues that women face is just... Some women are embarrassed by the poverty. They're embarrassed by so many things and they might not want to come out. Are there resources that they can reach to anonymously and still have their problems addressed that you know about? I would think that the health department, they're, they're not allowed to talk. Mm. It's all HIPAA. It's all, provi- you know, mm. it's all protected information. Mm. Young women can go there and get birth control mm. um, without their parents' consent. Mm. So yeah, there are avenues. It's just a matter of getting that information out into the schools Mm -hmm. so that adolescents and young adults in the colleges know where to find the information. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we have resources, but they're not utilized because people don't know how to find them. Mm -hmm. So we need to educate the social workers and whatnot, the college guidance counselors, when these things come up, Mm -hmm. to have them have some sort of a plan or a backup of where to refer these women to so that they can get the help they need. And even just talking about this in a podcast like this, it raises awareness. It makes people aware of this is where you can go for resources, you know, and even if people reach out to us in our foundation, we can point them in the right direction. I guess the point that we're trying to make is that this is the year 2021. Women should not be dying from pregnancy or pregnancy-related issues at the rate at which they're dying right now, and especially minority women. And we know it all ties to money, to the economics of it, you know, because some of the issues we see in minority women is that, you know, they're battling with other things. There are other things that are competing for their attention. You know, I, I, I had a client tell me that she lives in a house with 12 other people in a small house, and she's pregnant, 
and that, you know, she would, you know, just want to step out of the house for her peace of mind. There are real issues facing women and it ties down to a lot of economics. And, you know, I wish that, you know, we will continue to promote education, you know, because I think that is a, a, a way to, to step up, you know, if we can continue to encourage the young ladies to stay in school, right? And to get the education so that when they finish, you know, even if they do get pregnant while in school, there are ways in which they can complete the pregnancy and get back into school and complete their education. Do you, um, what, what do you think about that? Oh, agree mm. wholeheartedly. Mm. It's really one of the, where you have to take that shame out um, and you have to have these programs at the level of the school um, so that women can be in the education process while they're in the pregnancy. They need to stay in the school physical building. A lot of, you know, your private schools say, oh no, you know, you have to do virtual because you're pregnant. We don't want that at our school. And that comes back to, there's a lot of, you know, this is a very, we live in the Bible belt, you know, so it's, it's promoted that abstinence is the only way. And therefore, if a woman finds herself in a situation, it makes it very difficult for her at times. But with that said, there are public school programs that yes, she stays in school, she can finish school, and she can move on to college. Mm-hmm. There's programs set up where she can go and get work mm-hmm. that have daycare programs provided. Mm-hmm. There's grants that they can get through the health department to help with costs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the WIC program mm-hmm. and all of that. So those are areas that, that yes, we can improve, but really that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we just want to encourage the young, uh, you know, uh, women out there, we are healthcare providers, we're obstetricians, gynecologists, certified nurse midwives, and we provide healthcare to women. And we just want to encourage women, if they have questions at all, if you have questions at all about things that you think might affect your pregnancy or your pregnancy outcome, please reach out to us at the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We are very committed to evaluating and investigating the reasons why there's a high maternal mortality still in the state of Georgia. We are in this process. We are talking to you from a first-hand account experience. We see all these things from a, from a first-hand point of view, and we're able to speak to them with expertise, with knowledge, with compassion, and with empathy. So I want to thank you, Kim, Certified Nurse Midwife Kim, talking from the rural city of Forsyth, Georgia. Thank you very much for coming on this podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And the women out there, use your voice. It is the most powerful tool you have. Thank you. Thank you.